0: I keep saying each week that I'd like to hear from you, and I end up speaking the whole time, so rather than go right into my stray thoughts, I would like to start this evening by inviting you to ask uh, any questions, present any topics. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're noticing in your practice, your life practice, your 30-day retreat, if you're engaging in that Any questions that you might have about any of it, any of the instructions that are ever offered here, or any of the teachings, and I'd like, hopefully, your question not to be too theoretical to something that uh, feels alive and immediate, if possible, but at least relevant to your life. Uh, So are there any questions, descriptions, comments? think there's enough parameters there? Please. Um,
1: since you're like also a therapist, I wonder if you could talk about how do you see like, kind of the interface between like, kind of
0: psychological issues and spiritual issues? How do I see the interface between psychological issues and spiritual issues? Uh, I think uh, all issues are psychological, and all issues are spiritual. <laughs> so I, I really don't see those as so different. That's the simplest answer. And I would say that both the purpose of psychology and more self understand and what we would call spirituality or, or spiritual practice is more self-understanding. And the view is that, or the understanding is that more self-understanding, it is wisdom, it's understanding that leads to, or leads to clear perception, and clear perception is what, uh, what leads to our hearts relaxing and opening. And when we are in confusion, that's what keeps our hearts closed and contracted. So any, so in both cases, it's any kind of understanding, self-understanding, uh, or the understanding of the nature of reality will bring more love. So his question is: In in psychological issues, you're more trying to strengthen ego, and, and in spiritual issues, you're trying to soften. Uh, in spiritual issues, you're trying to soften ego. That's the that's your comment. I, I don't um, I don't subscribe to that way of viewing psychology and and uh, meditation because. Uh, for me, uh, I guess I come from the vantage point that um, that in either case, in psychology or in the, in the wisdom teachings, meditative understanding, what we call ego, what we call ourself, is a view. It's a it's a particular it's a point of view. It's a it's an idea, the sense of self. I don't mean the felt sense that I'm here. That fundamental sense that I'm here, that I have, at least conventionally speaking, I exist independently. That part, uh, one whether it's meditation or psychology, you want to strengthen that feeling that I'm here. what 's often described as ego is, a, is an idea of ourselves, and psychology does tend to want to improve our idea of ourselves, but the same is true for meditation, to feel good about ourselves, to be loving toward ourselves, to not to be hard on ourselves that's really universal that 's not, not so separate. but ultimately, where psychology tends to depart from or where meditation tends to depart from psychology because there is so much that's shared. Self-understanding, self-kindness, self-compassion, all that arises in the realm of psychology. What all of that points to, in, at least in meditative understanding, is that is to move in the direction of being so at home with yourself that you stop, you stop setting, being busy in your life, setting yourself apart from everyone else, but rather you move in the direction of seeing through that sense of separateness and coming into an understanding that, yes, you exist, uh, relatively speaking, individually, but you do not at any moment in your life ever exist truly independently apart from all that... Informs you all that touches you, that and that, that um, the, the notion of separateness is a is in the ultimate sense a, an illusion. It's it is not it's not true. Having seen through that that self illusion or that illusion of separateness, then what one does on behalf of what I do on behalf of my wider understanding, because I've come out of only the narrow view of me as a separate person and expanded that sense of self to include everything around me, then my actions, my thoughts, my words become much more uh, oriented to um, to be... everything ends up being on behalf of being of benefit or being uh, sensitive to the impact that I have on the life around me. Now, that's not exactly, it doesn't seem to be traditionally what psychology was busy doing, but I think most of the modern psychology, the psychology of happiness and well-being, also now includes a lot about about, uh, interconnectedness, a lot about having... Uh, what we would call trans uh, trans individual experiences beyond in the individual, so it's evolving. And so at this point, I don't see a lot of difference. And this whole idea about strengthening ego first, we have to define our terms. Uh, if, you, if it's a strengthening, a sense of physical presence, a se- sense of of having healthy. Uh, healthy, what we call, boundaries. Yeah, that would... But that's also compatible with meditative understanding. The understanding is that you have to... The paradox is that you have to take care of yourself. When the Buddha gave the first teaching on on loving-kindness, he said you could scan the world in all directions, not find anyone more deserving of loving-kindness than oneself. Acknowledge your own existence. You are equally deserving of loving-kindness. And the paradox is, if you don't attend to your individuality, you end up more isolated and stuck in yourself. If you attend to your individuality, you become more self-aware, then you become much more available to those around you. So it's, uh, it's, it's the same, really. Marissa. <laughs> Talk about confusion. She experiences it as resistance to making decisions. And then that's obviously fear. And that's obviously fear. It sounds like a lot of self-awareness. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Well. The way we understand confusion is different. We we may again, it's one of those places where we have to we have to understand our terms. What's confused in the Buddha's teaching? Confusion is really it. It does refer to a state of mind of of unknowing and and sometimes cloudiness and and just scatteredness and not knowing where we are or what's happening. But the, the deepest meaning of confusion is, it's more associated with delusion, where... And delusion means that you are under, uh, you are under a misunderstanding of reality. You're not, you do not have clear perception of how things work. And what meditative awareness is meant to do is to increase the clarity of perception. So that at least certain illusions, uh, a certain kind of delusion is uprooted. And the way it's uprooted is seeing through certain kinds of illusions. Now the the common three, there are three common, what are called the, the three common misperceptions. Things that we misperceive and because of those three common misperceptions, we tend to walk around really confused and can't figure out why we're not happy. And, those, and that may not relate to your resistance to making decisions or any of that, but I have a feeling it may somewhere around, we could get to that a little later. But, but the three misperceptions, and they may not sound so interesting when you think about them, technically speaking, but the way that they impact our lives is, is, uh, is dramatic, insidious in a way. And the first common misperception is we take that which is uh, impermanent to be permanent. So we tend to have this, this sense of solidity, this sense of permanence that so we have lots of we have all the time in the world that, that are we, we're not in touch with impermanence. So we tend to, to take that which is impermanent to be permanent. And partly coming from this, that that, base, that first misperception, the second misperception is that we take that which is really unreliable, insubstantial, unsatisfactory, can't really give us lasting happiness. We, we take things that are unreliable and think we can that they're reliable, like pleasant experiences. We think that a pleasant experience can make us happy. It, it will give us pleasure, but it cannot make us happy. But because of that misperception, because we don't see clearly the unreliability of changing experiences, uh, there's this tendency to cling, to go after experiences that won't give any kind of satisfaction. They give, it just gives very temporary relief and, and often leaves in the wake of that temporary relief uh, because things change, more desire to, to repeat experiences and then pretty soon we're continually looking for, uh, for more experiences and can't figure out why we feel restless, agitated, worried, uh, why The present moment is turned into a place that we have to get through to get somewhere else. And it's partly because we don't have clear perception that the experiences that we have evaporate. And instead of of finding joy in the appearing and the disappearing of things, we, we get rope burn. We hold on. We chase. And so that's the second misperception. And this is where your question about ego comes in. The third misperception, and this is the deepest of all of them, is that everything that happens through our senses, through our experience, that is really just happening, that is fundamentally without self, it's selfless. Everything's just happening. Thoughts are arising, feelings are arising, experiences are coming, our bodies are come into birth, they go through their process, they... They fade away. Moods come. Dramas come. Everything happens, and it's happening all by itself, selflessly. Even things that we think we do are just the combination of of, um, volition and action. And there is behind it nobody who's doing anything. That every experience that's taken to be self, taken to be me, my, and mine, is really without self. It's selfless. And we discover this meditatively. We just see how everything's happening. And once you see through that illusion, then you see, oh, there's really nobody. You know, even that person who is my enemy, even they are without self. Even they are just the, the product of karma, of the causes and conditions. And maybe I don't need to hold such a solid view of that person and in this case, in, in this way, wise understanding or clear perception leads to maybe a little crack in our heart, a little forgiveness. So, three these three misperceptions. We could talk about the misperception or the illusion of self. We could talk about it for months. And that basic misperception—that's the one that the Buddha saw through on the night of his awakening. For those of you. Who we are interested in that story? And that's what really unleashed the sense of goodwill and the sense of compassion. Is oh my, he said. Oh, he didn't say oh my lord. He said. He said. (laughs) He said. My goodness. (laughs) My goodness. People are wandering around trying to build up, defend, strengthen, protect something that has no fundamental existence. This this me, this mine, that, uh, and that part of the way that we keep trying to build up, defend, protect, elaborate on, uh, we do by recreating again and again the sense of other. There's It's all about us and them, subject and object. We keep recreating this world of duality where there really is not fundamentally. And... Did you want to say something, no, Amy? Are you done? No, I (laughs) wasn't done yet. (laughs) Never done. Oh, you were going on to the next question. Okay. Uh, Sure, let's be done. No, um, I've been really
1: working with the concepts.
0: You've been working with the concepts?
1: With the concepts that you're
0: talking about. Working with the concepts I'm talking about, yeah. That's not everybody is there. Not everybody is there, yeah. not everybody else is working on the concepts, too. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> My view is that I really, it gives me a lot to be there, however, when somebody else
0: is When somebody else's delusions are getting projected onto you, what do I do? What do I do? Yes. When somebody doesn't see the world in as enlightened way as you do, what do you do?
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's the truth. There, there is a, there is an, there's an awakened view and then there's an unawakened view. There's, there's, there's wisdom and there's delusion. That's what we're talking about tonight. And ideally, ideally, as your, as your um, wisdom deepens, as you are able to see through the illusion, you'll also be able to see uh, and even feel a kind of, uh, I wouldn't say, I'd say compassion for the delusion that drives so much aggression and projection and all the things that you may hear coming at you and with more understanding it may not the people's comments may not land as much and and be as able to harm you in the same way it doesn't mean that you won't feel it in fact i think we feel things more deeply feel the impact of ignorance and feel the impact of ill will and all that more deeply but yet it it is balanced it's likely more balanced i can say from my own experience it's more balanced with understanding as That person doesn't really know what they're... Actually, tonight I was going to start the evening when I thought about starting with talking about difficult people in our lives. I don't know who said this, but someone said perhaps every... Oh, it was Rilke, the poet Rilke. Perhaps everything terrible in its deepest being, in its deepest being... uh, perhaps everything terrible in its deepest being is something that it needs our love. And that's the direction. Because there are people who say things and do things that we both, um, that we feel harmed by. And that, or they're just in our lives every day and they really are hard to deal with. Anybody have anybody like that in your life? (laughs) And these are the people, and I don't want to give a whole Dharma talk about it now because I really want to speak to your question, but these are the people who are our gurus who remind us the limits of our understanding and our loving kindness. As long as I'm, and I do, get triggered. And I I think probably everyone here gets triggered by someone who says something or does something. But I want my intention, my aspiration... My practice is to move in such a way that at least I recover quickly and I try to never put anybody out of my heart. And that's why I think all of us should devote a a large portion of our time practicing loving-kindness toward the most difficult people in our lives. Now, traditionally, 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 you always start loving kindness by starting with yourself and then the, start with the easiest so that you get warmed up. Because the whole idea of it is to have it become a flood because it's a universal quality. It's an unconditional quality. It's meant to be uh, vast. And, inc- be, and each of us in our hearts, we, are, we have the capacity to have our hearts so big that there is not one person that we don't wish well. That we, that we can feel an equal well-wishing to that person who yells at us on the street, to our, the nearest and dearest, our most beloved friends, our benefactors, our, our loved ones. And if we don't experience that, if, we, if our love is narrow and limited and sentimental just for those who are easiest to love, I love you because you love me, uh, then our love is very puny and it misses a, an amazing capacity we have. So I think everybody, at some point in the span of their practice, has to look at what is it that blocks blocks love. And what really blocks that universal love is is uh, our reactions to people, just like you're saying. So that's what you do is you go into metta as quickly as you can. Go into forgiveness, whatever it is that unlocks your heart from 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 staying contracted. Because who suffers when our hearts react with ill will? I know whenever I get pissed off, I suffer, te- it's a terrible feeling. Nobody likes to be contracted. And we forgive for the same reason. You know, while, while that other person's going along doing their life that so-called caused us harm, we're stewing in, in ill will and aversion and contraction. So that means and so in that regard when a person has said something or done something on the street I don't want to keep recru- I don't want to keep replaying it in my mind I want to as much as quickly as possible turn it into compassion turn it into love turn it into a teaching for me to see the limitations of my understanding that's the ideal but we're all works in progress so I might get pissed off first <laughs> and then recover please Just got back from a long vacation. I'm going to repeat so people can hear. Took a month off, but her work mind kept running. It was very distressing to recognize and realize that it was totally present and strong in the most joyful. Yeah, her her, her everyday work mind, I call it work mind, was was very present and strong in this joyful uh, situation. So your mind went with you. Wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that happens. I always, you know, it, remi- it reminds me just uh, the reverse. <laughs> the reverse I often think of. We what we tell people at the end of retreats, after they've had a month of silence, after they've had a month of nurturing, loving kindness, and moment to moment attention. We always say, "Well, the next month is you have to consider the second half of your retreat," uh, and the, so you're in the middle. And so you, will, you have to give yourself a month to, uh, to, to get reoriented to your daily life. Don't expect to be able to go full speed. It's the same when you go in reverse. When you come off of a very busy life and, you, and your mind is habitually uh, worried or whatever it is, it doesn't just go away because you went on vacation. You need at least the amount of time that you've been working, in a way, to unwind. Sorry. So it's, I just wouldn't expect anything else. So you were just shocked by how intense your mind was when you were on vacation. And, so
1: I felt sort of uh, violated that in this place where...
0: So you felt well, victimized well, by well, your and mind. That I had
1: kind of
0: yes. Well, sometimes when we're on vacation, we can see our mind more clearly than we can in our daily life, and we don't even realize what we've been practicing. So it gives us a win. It's like going on retreat when you go on vacation. You get to see what you have been practicing, what seeds you've been planting. So it sounds like you've been planting the seeds of your inner critic, worry, uh, demand, demand, pressure. So you have to consider how you're living your, your daily life. So we just get inured to this kind of pace and this kind of energy in our minds, and we don't have to live that way. So it's actually, it's really good news that you saw that. Bad news, good news, you know. Bad news, it was probably painful. Good news is that maybe it will become a cause of living differently with yourself and during your work time. Thanks for saying that, because I know you're not alone. Tanya. Get back to or, di- I, I actually don't think necessarily it's just having difficulty with someone they might they might not be a difficult person at all. Well that's what the, I that's what they're sometimes called in formal okay. meta practices the difficult person or sometimes called the enemy. But right. but I don't like that language, so
1: yeah. But if it's with someone that you're very close to, that you love so much, I mean not I'm not saying having I mean, like a friend is exactly. no, I'm not that.
0: We just have a lot of history with it. If it's somebody you're close to and you have a lot of history yeah, with No, you're being perfectly clear. How do you deal with somebody who you really are close to every day, or who's in your life and is not going away, and you'd actually like to have a deeper relationship with?
1: Yeah, and, and you know you
0: can. It's there. Listen. Sometimes the closest people are our difficult people, and in fact, when I teach this formally on retreats, I will sometimes suggest, and it's amazing how it's a revelation to people. I suggest that maybe you are the difficult person. Yeah. And so you start with yourself as a difficult person. And you can't get closer than that. So that's you, you still try to hold that person in your... It, the, the other thing that's a revelation is how easy it is, actually, to wish them well. And if you can even notice that that same person that you're struggling with, even if you can have a few moments when you can wish them well in your mind, that reminder, that feeling of of goodwill really helps to to not uh, solidify them as difficult. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of different methods of, of... of trying to warm to somebody that you're having a difficulty, you think of the good their good qualities, you think of some wholesome action that they've done. You sometimes have to use humor. I, I don't know how many of you have read Sharon Salzberg's book on loving kindness, but she, there was one person who was in her orbit who was, or, or somebody told her a story about somebody who just would not stop talking, and so that person was difficult. So she. In her heart, in her mind's eye, she imagined the person tied to a chair with their mouth tape closed, and you know, just tongue in cheek. As a, I have, some people might have trouble with that, but it was really meant to be, meant to be humorous. Just some way to, to warm up to that person, and you, it, once you know that you can feel that goodwill toward them, it creates a, it get, it creates a little space to then uh, deal with their the things about them that are hard to deal with. So, I, I think I'm You think I wanna, you, you are the difficult one. Yeah, it's, I think I'm misperceiving, and I want to
1: I, I work on not misperceiving what's going on, because there's a, so much love there. And it's not, It's I, I think that there are times when we misperceive what someone is saying and we come to these conclusions of our own fears. And yes.
0: Yeah. So, so right. So, if your heart, if you're misperceiving, and then you're shutting down and hiding, you know, then contracting, then you need to bring that compassion and loving kindness to yourself. Yeah. You sound like the difficult person. You're you're your own difficult person, but you don't want to judge that. You don't want to add an extra arrow of. Insult to injury. You want to regard yourself with compassion. Just the fact that you said that out loud and can acknowledge your own delusion—that's—that's already. I don't worry about you at all. Yeah, you you know, just just the practice of confessing our delusions is just so so liberating. Yeah, I was going to say something else about the difficult person. Anyway, I think that's enough. You had your hand up? Please. Um,
1: so this might be... I think this might be a question. You're,
0: about you're the last.
1: The method or... Okay, I'll
0: try. <laughs> um, a method or practice. So how does one... Yes. That throughout the day. Yes. Because you can meditate upon waking, you can do a number of practices, but the How to, how to sustain it during the day. Yeah. Well, part of the... You have to have a lot of... You have to commit to a lot of quickies, a lot of short periods many times during the day. Short periods where you, where you really devote yourself to the practice... But my suggestion is you make a resolution when you wake up you resolve to remember to to direct thoughts of loving kindness to whoever your your object is whether it's yourself or a difficult person or a beloved friend or whoever it is that you resolve to do that when you wake up and that you plant that seed and you I, I'm a little bit uh, magical about this I, I, I've had some Positive effects of saying things three times. I commit to, I commit to, uh, pr- at, to the best of my ability. You find your own phrase to practice loving kindness all day, to keep the keep the thoughts in all my free moments oriented toward goodwill. And you start, and you just let it let it be like a, a running a running uh, sentiment all through the day. And it's help You've you've heard the teachings on the, the phrases. You just keep them. Find ones that are simple that you can just keep going to. And as much as you can, try to connect with the words, connect with the felt experience, connect with whoever the object is of loving kindness. And just again and again, try not to let a single moment pass through the day. Of course, you can't do it while you're immersed in some kind of work project, and don't expect to. But there are lots of moments when we come up for air. So when we are when we're under the water, when we're absorbed in what we're doing, no judgment about that, no problem, but when you surface really fill the view with love. Does that speak to your question or no? So. Make a resolution. Yeah. 3 times. How
1: to keep it going throughout the day?
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep this going throughout the day. I I've talked a lot here about doing stealth meta. I call it stealth meta, where under my breath, wherever I go, whatever I do, and I especially did this a lot when I moved to San Francisco, because I found it to be kind of cool, and people were afraid and defended, and so under my breath I'd say, "May you be happy. May you be happy. May you be happy. I love you. I love you. I love you. I may mean, you be happy. May you be happy all day long." and Literally, from one moment to the next, from feeling, feeling alienated, I felt as though I entered into a almost like a field of connection, a field of of love, and I felt completely differently just from inclining my mind toward joining with with others, inclining my mind toward goodwill. So you just have it going all the time. I love you. I love you. I love you. May you be happy. May you be happy. May you be happy. May Great. I mean, I don't, I, I've not, I, it, might not, it
1: might not, but maybe you like could set your, I don't know if you could set your iPhone to, remi- you know, like send you a, a reminder every hour. Like,
0: every hour reminder. Then, yes, maybe.
1: Then it's just about doing it. I mean, I don't, do that, but I'm just saying. Because I, I should. <laughs> I, I, but, um, it's just about getting into the habit of it. And at first, it might seem kind of technical. with my iPhone to the practice of loving kindness, but then it I <laughs> <proceeds. laughs>
0: <laughs> There you go. Great idea. idea. Please. beautiful so i want to leave you all with with a few moments since it is the end of the evening so this is a this is a an advance forgiveness forgiveness in advance so inwardly reflect if there has been anything that I have done or not done, thought or did not think, said or did not say. So if there's any way that I've caused myself or others harm, knowingly or unknowingly, through thoughts or words or actions, I forgive myself, and I ask for forgiveness. And while we're at it, if I have felt harmed by anyone else in this life, or this week, or today, if I have felt harmed by anyone, through what they did or didn't do, said or didn't say, thought or didn't think. Uh, To the best of my ability at this time, I offer forgiveness. I forgive you. And I dedicate my practice this evening and my life in general to the welfare and benefit of all. And I practice in order that all can be forgiven. and that I can be forgiven. And I'll just end by a short little poem or practice of reconciliation. May all partners and lovers be reconciled. May all family members be reconciled. May all employees and employers be reconciled. May all community members be reconciled. May all friends be reconciled. May all women be reconciled. May all men be reconciled. May all men and women be reconciled. May all religions be reconciled. May all races be reconciled. May all nations be reconciled. May all peoples be reconciled. May all creatures be reconciled. May all beings everywhere be reconciled. May forgiveness fill our hearts. May all beings be liberated. You want one last story to inspire you for forgiveness this week, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or the potential of forgiveness? Some of you have heard this. This is the words of this is from Desmond Tutu, South Africa. I think back to my time as chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. A hearing that will forever be imprinted on my memory was an investigation into the shooting of unarmed demonstrators by members of the armed forces. The hall in which the hearing took place was packed to the rafters with a crowd who were justifiably angry. A tension, the tension was palpable. Four soldiers entered there and their commanding officer admitted delivering the instructions to open fire. He turned to the crowd and asked, Please forgive me. The crowd then did something that none of us could have predicted. They broke into wild applause. When the applause subsided, I turned to my fellow members of the commission and said, Let us be quiet, because we are in the presence of something truly holy. Forgiveness is never easy or cheap. It isn't something that you can demand of others. Forgiveness is a deeply personal journey to reconnect with the whole of humanity around you and therefore reconnect with yourself. It is essential because it reveals how we are inextricably bound to each other. As I have said before, there is no future without forgiveness. So may this week be filled with forgiveness. Thanks for your practice. See you all on Saturday. I know everyone here is coming for a day of insight meditation. Bring your friends, Spirit Rock, and or, it's Sunday, Sunday the 24th. Anyway, hope to see you all there, and uh, if not, next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit